Welcome into Wrestling with the Mind. Uh, Seth Burchett here. Your uh, This is your home for everything, I guess, mental illness in terms of, of conversation. Um, not going to have a long intro here because I do have a special guest, and she's actually sitting with me uh, today, so that's kind of new for me to, to have my guest actually uh, in studio, which is my uh, wonderful apartment. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will say this. If you are new to the podcast uh, i would recommend going back to the first episode that lets you know my story kind of what i'm doing why i'm doing it uh and that sort of thing uh so give that a listen and then you can uh, start working your way through the episodes uh give us a follow on facebook wrestling with the mind russell mind pod uh, on twitter or uh, you can email us and i'm certainly waiting for that first email uh, wrestling with the mind at gmail.com being joined now with my uh i guess partner in crime in a lot of ways uh miss tiana allen you are familiar with her she's been on the show before but uh you know, we've had a long year, both of us teachers, first-year teachers, and so we're sort of going to talk about that, wrap through that, and uh, and some other things, and some big news that we're going to announce here toward the end of the episode. Uh, Tiana, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out during your summer and uh, coming and hanging out with me today. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to, to do something new this time. Yeah, it definitely is new, uh, especially since... Uh, we're actually sitting across the table. Uh, I feel like we do this episode all the time uh, after school a lot of times. But yep. um, finished our first year of teaching. And um, I, I want to kind of talk about that, but but get the perspective of how each one of us sort of coped with that. Uh, we both had some very challenging experiences, uh, and certainly that comes with teaching. But, you know, for, for two people that deal with depression and anxiety, it almost seems like every problem we have sort of gets ramped up and, uh, and, and is on 10. So kind of give us a breakdown, an overview of your first year of teaching, and, and then we'll, we'll kind of work backwards from there. Well, I can't believe the year's over. Um, I've been reflecting on it a lot this summer and and trying to figure out, you know, what I can do for next year already. Um, it was it was it was a whirlwind. There were ups and downs, definitely more ups than downs. Um, I, I'm in a Facebook group now, and it's interesting to see all the teachers saying, "I just got hired." You know, it's my first year. You know, I have no idea where to start. What should I do? And it's weird thinking that I was there a year ago, um, and that I already have so many ideas for next year. Um, this summer it's been interesting actually because I, I ended the school year thinking I hope my kids you know I love them and and I hope that they um, you know miss me and I've seen several students already this summer and they've all run up and give me big hugs even students that I didn't think would do that um, but I started the year off totally clueless I felt like not knowing where to go um, got through the first couple of months ended up hurting myself around fall break and had back surgery which took me out the whole month of October um, but I'm grateful for that just because when I came back after my surgery um, and a little recovery period I knew how to reset my classroom with higher expectations and so I feel like I had a stronger first year than I could have because of that surgery and that second chance to kind of restart um, but we had had a lot of great moments, planned a lot of good stuff, did a lot of cool things, and and wrapped up on a strong note. Well, let's go back to the to the, the you know getting injured. Uh, you had a, a pretty major back surgery, put you out for for a month, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously that was something that was was unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from a from a mental standpoint, how did you deal with that? You know, day to day, not being able to be in your classroom, not being able to you know function the way you're used to. Um, what was that process like for you? Um, just personally, not from a teacher standpoint. I, I, there were times where I was pretty hopeless. Um, I hurt myself in August, and then it progressively and progressively got worse until we moved from Lexington to Bowling Green over fall break. And the next morning, I physically could not walk. Um, couldn't stand up straight, couldn't get off the couch, couldn't walk. And I kept telling myself, oh, you're going to feel better, you're going to feel better. And then, you know, three or four weeks into it, I didn't feel better. Um, nobody really believed me that there was anything wrong. I just figured that I was just going to be stuck not being able to walk. Um, and it was a pretty dark time. I, I'm thankful that I've, I can't remember what the pain felt like or, or a lot of what happened because I guess I mentally just blocked it out 
that was my body protecting myself there. Um, from a teacher standpoint, I was really nervous because I was afraid it was going to derail my all of my plans for the rest of the year. You know, if I'm out so many days, you know, my lessons aren't being taught, then something's going to have to get cut. Um, I was afraid that I was going to get fired. Just as a first-year teacher, I'm missing a month of school. Um, how can I prove my worth and, and make sure that they know that I'm actually hurt instead of just faking it? Um, and then just... I was very discouraged because I spent so many years working towards this moment just to have it kind of yanked out from underneath me right as I got my, my train rolling. Um, but like I said, ultimately it ended up being a very, very good experience just because when I came back, my students missed me. They were tired of subs. They were ready to learn. <laughs> and I was ready to reset and, and get trucking with them. Well, I want to tell a funny story. Um, <laughs> because, you know, from time to time, I, I tried to check in on you every day. You and, did. And uh, I'm not patting myself on oh, the back. No, but no, I, I am. <laughs> but, but I'm saying that to say this. Um, you had asked me to make some copies for you one day. Yes. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, hey, can you get them to the sub for me tomorrow? Yeah, no big deal. Um, and I got there, and I went to, I remember just before the bell rang the first period, <laughs> to run those down there. And I go in, and I give the plans to the sub and the copies. And I thought it was like Louis Spicoli, or, or, or I mean, Jeff Spicoli, excuse me, from... Uh, from Fast Times at Ridgemont High because he just looked like he was from the 80s and he was like, dude, what's up, man? Like, uh, you got some stuff for me? And I was like, I got some copies for you. Uh, I don't know what other kind of stuff you might be wanting from me, uh, but I do have some copies for you. But it was it was kind of interesting because uh, you never really knew who was going to show up over there uh, at that end of the hallway. Uh, and to be quite honest, the hallway itself was a little more uh, lonelier without you down there uh, at, at our perch, I guess, <laughs> where we would complain about students or, well, not complain about students. Always with but, love in our hearts. Yeah, I was going to say not complain <laughs> about students, but things that had happened with students. Uh, and so uh, that was that was always a, a fun um, experience uh, in itself. Now, one thing I want to touch on with you, because I have, I'm a little jealous, Um <laughs> Because you're, we teach different content areas for those that are listening. Um, I teach social studies, which doesn't always lend itself to being able to connect with students uh, because geography to many students is not all that interesting, <laughs> despite my best efforts. Um, you teach English, and so you get an opportunity to see these students and read very personal things that, that they have written and... Um, you get to relate to them in a very different way. Um, and, and I want to talk about the poetry jam here in just a minute mm -hmm. that you had, um, in, in which I myself was, was very touched by that because I mm -hmm. had the opportunity to sit in on some of that. But, um, but what was that like for you? Because you got to read things that were personal, um, that, that, you know, not everybody, you know, that they, they trusted you enough to write that, those things down because they knew you would be reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it gave you an opportunity, I think, to, really connect with students and, and in particular students that dealt with the same sorts of things that we deal with. Um, I am very lucky in that my content area lets me build those relationships with students. I think ultimately it all comes down to everyone's a storyteller. We all have a story to tell. Um, teaching a lesson is like telling a story. Um, writing something is like telling a story. You know, giving, giving life lessons is like telling a story. And so when able, I, whenever I was able to I told stories and connected it to their lives, and that, that started building that relationship of trust. Um, the very first assignment we did for the school year was start reading um, a personal narrative written by Sherman Alexie. Um, and when we finished with it, I challenged the students to write their own personal narrative. And it was early in the year, and they didn't want to write. Um, but I'm very adamant that if there are any first-year teachers listening doing something personal like that at the beginning of the year helps you build those relationships. I got some pretty sad stories. I got some pretty boring stories. I got some pretty good stories. Um, but they were all little things that I got to learn about the students in August and September. And that started um, giving me something to fall back on for lesson planning and, and conversation making. Um, and so that was a great, great decision, I think, on my part um, and for the teachers that suggested it. Um, later on in the year, because I had started building that foundation of trust, we did a poetry slam. I'm at the end of our poetry unit, and I told the kids, everybody has to write a poem, but you can read your poem or somebody else's poem as long as it's, you know, two minutes long. And I already have soft lighting in my classroom, but I made it softer. Um, I put the tables together, got tablecloths and little fake candles, and tried to make it like a cafe 
we snapped. We didn't clap for everybody. Um, but I did have a lot of students get up there and read some very, very personal things. Um, one student in particular wrote a poem about her father um, and the abuse that she faced at his hands. And then it inspired somebody in our class who hadn't said a word the entire year get to get up and read her own poem because she had been through something similar. And so these two students, totally different backgrounds, races, um, religions, all of that good stuff, they were able to connect right there in that moment. And like I said, it inspired a student who none of us had heard from all year to get up in front of her you know, 25 peers and read something personal. And it was a really great moment. Um, I'll always be thankful that my content area helps me helps me build those relationships for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be nice, Alan, because <laughs> um, it's really hard to connect, um, you know, the jungles of the Amazon to their personal <laughs> life. Um, the jungles are like the hallways. Man. Yeah, well, yeah, in some <laughs> days it is. Uh, although I, I will say those hallways, th- those who have never seen me, I'm a rather large individual. Um, I'm a professional wrestler, which you, if you listen to episode one, you would have learned. Uh, but I look like a pro wrestler. Like I look like this just big dude straight out off of the TV screen. And, uh, they wanted me, they put me in the room I'm in specifically because there had been some fights kind of, it's, it's close to a stairwell and there'd been some fights down there and they're like, Hey, go down there and monitor that <laughs> hall and, and keep it locked down. And I did. I felt like that was my duty. Like, if I did nothing else all year, I stopped fights from <laughs> happening just by my mere presence alone. But um, you're right. You know, you do get that opportunity. And I've connected with some students, too, and, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that and talk to that, talk about that here. Um, mentally, what was the school year like for you? I mean, cause, because, you know, at times the thing people I don't think understand about education is that at times it is very unorganized. And when it's unorganized, you know, I, and, and I, I feel safe speaking for you in this, it sort of amps our anxiety up a little mm-hmm. bit. It makes things, you know, a problem that if you're putting it on a 1 to 10 for a normal person that doesn't deal with it, it might be a 2 or a 3. Mm-hmm. For us, it's an 8 or a 9 because we sort of need to know what's going on and why it's going on. Um, mentally, did did it get better for you? Um how did you deal with it? You know, what, what sort of things did you do to help yourself kind of cope with that, um, th- with the mental strains of, you know, day-to-day teaching? Um, it was definitely difficult. You know, I think every teacher loses sleep at night over their students and, you know, worries if they're doing the right thing. Um, but like you said, it might be, a, you know, a two or a three or even a four or five for somebody else, but instead... For me, it's like a 9 or a 10 at all times. Um, the beginning of the year was, was very, very tough. There were lots of tears on my part, um, sometimes in school during planning period, sometimes on the way home. Um, but I, I had a hard time believing in myself, and that's something that I've always kind of struggled with. Um, I don't know why. I, you know, I have a master's degree. I got hired at one of the best school districts in the state. Um, they only hire rock stars, they say, during your interview. And he called me and offered me the job and said I was a rock star. And so instead of believing in myself, I kind of let that that self-doubt creep in and start to cripple me. And there were times when my lesson plans would fall apart because they'd ask a question. I didn't know the answer. And instead of playing a poker face, I'm thinking, oh, my God, why don't you know the answer? Um, But as the year went on, I started reflecting on my lesson plans. And everybody should reflect if you're a teacher. Sometimes we don't always write it down. And I'll say it for those that don't want to say it. But it's hard to, to make time to reflect. And when I did that, I realized that there were so many good things that happened compared to the bad things that happen or the not-so-great things that happen. And so that definitely helped me start um, relaxing in the classroom and unwinding at the end of the day. And then I translate that to my personal life as well. You know, just reflect on the whole day. If you can't get the kid out of your head, sit down and write about the kid. Why can't you get him out of your head? Um, you know, if you're worried about something at home, you know, try to write down, sit down and write about it. Um, but that's definitely something I did to cope with. And I'm hoping this next year I can do that from the get-go and not cripple myself for the first couple of weeks. But we'll see. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, from my perspective, it was always hard. I, I thought I had the day-to-day fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell people, you know, and I, and I mean this and, and do it, every day I would come in and say, okay, what can I do best for my students? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, I'd say, did I do the best I could mm-hmm. for my students? And sometimes the answer was no. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I was very critical of myself. Um, and but, but I was pretty good at reflecting at least mm-hmm. daily. My problem is the whole you know, shebang, the, the long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think hey, I was just surviving. You know, I was just mm-hmm. out there in the wild doing my thing. Um, and I got a compliment from a veteran teacher on our last day. 
uh, I was I was talking or I took my wife to uh, which speaking of she's going to be on the next episode she just Ooh. doesn't know it yet um, but um, <laughs> there's a tease for you uh, but I you know I went to introduce her and I said hey you know this is such and such uh, you know I couldn't have made it through the school year without her and she's like no you're a great teacher you just <laughs> had to believe in yourself yeah. and and you know that's a problem that I have mm-hmm. and I know. I think you're sort of in the same boat there mm-hmm. as you just talked about it. You know, that's something that we struggle with. That's something that, that we deal with. That's something that many of you out there that are listening probably deal with. Um, and and I'll ask you this question, and I'll, I'll sort of jump in uh, and add to it. What was your support system like? Because I think that's incredibly important for people like us, for people that deal with, with mental illness, whether it's depression, anxiety, bipolar, uh, ADHD, whatever the case is, um, you know, what, what was the support system like for you and, and how did that help you get through the year? My husband was really supportive, um, over the years. He's, he's definitely become more supportive and understanding. Um, even if there are times where I'm telling him I'm having a bad day and he's trying to, you know, press and press and press, get more information, not to be nosy, but because he cares, he would understand that, you know, maybe this is the day that she doesn't want to talk about what happened at school today. Um, my friends at school, um, you definitely have been helpful. Um, a couple of the other teachers in my department have been very helpful. My mentor teacher was incredibly helpful. Um, whether or not she realized it, she always seemed to tell me that I was doing the right thing when I needed to hear it. And they definitely don't know, but my students were, were a great support. Um, not that they came in and told me how great of a job I was doing, but there was always that time, you know, I'd come back in the hallway after doing hall sweeps, and there was a post-it on my podium, hey, Miss Allen, hope you're having a great day. Um, I had a kid that lost a backpack and he left a note on my desk after school. Sorry, I had a poopy face in your class today, Miss Allen. I just lost my bag. If you can find it, let me know. Love you. I mean, it's just small things like that, that, um, when I'm having those moments of self-doubt or, or it's Thursday and it's been the longest week of my life and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do the next day. Just get to Friday. (laughs) Yeah, just get to Friday. Having those little, those little moments and, and surprises for my students help me get to the next day and help me get to the weekend and the next Monday. They definitely kept pushing me. Well, I'll say, um, uh, you were one of my greatest supports. (laughs) I think we sort of leaned on each other a little bit. Definitely. Our after school sessions. Uh, yeah, that was like (laughs) therapy for both of us, Mm -hmm. I think, um, but the, the the staff around us, I think, was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think we're Definitely. we're privileged to work in a school district that mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of of really good people there. There's a lot of veteran people there. Mm-hmm. It's a good mix. It's a it's good people, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know that was helpful for me. I had people mm-hmm. I could go to at any time and say, "Hey, I don't think this is working. What should I do?" Or, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm not really sure how to handle this situation. How would you handle it?" Mm-hmm. And so I think that was really beneficial. But I'll, I'll second the students as well. Now, I didn't get as many notes as I learned. Some of my <laughs> students were actually afraid of me um, they, because they first day I'm like, yep, I'm a wrestler. Oh, yeah. You know, and then they, um, <laughs> they were, I had one tell me that I was afraid of you at first. And, uh, and you know who it is. Same one that, that, that wrote me the note that wrote, also wrote you a note. And, and that drew per- a wrestler on That drew note. a wrestler on my note. And, and this particular student said, hey, you know, I was afraid of you. I literally thought you were going to drop an elbow on me. I'm like, no, I don't drop elbows these days. I just body slam. Um, but I, I didn't get that. But, you know, when for me, it was, it was a little different in the sense that when I had a bad day, it was, it was their energy, I mm-hmm. think, that, that kept me going and, and sort of refocused me and said, okay, I'm, I'm not allowing myself to be down. I'm not allowing myself to, to have this bad day that I'm having or, or let my, my anxiety creep in or let my depression creep in because I've got 140 kids that all need me in some way. Whether that, you know, it's a big need or a small need, they all need me in some way. And so mm-hmm. I can't do that. Um, and that's almost been like medicine for me mm-hmm. in a way, because when you, when you realize, and I don't want to be as, as extreme and say, Hey, there's 140 kids that your life, their life is in your hands each day. I don't know that it's like that, but, but they're, you learn their personal stories and you get to know their personalities. And you know, the ones that I, I sort of gravitated to were the ones that didn't get a lot of attention because mm-hmm. I sort of felt that in my own life at one point in time 
And so I think the kids were really great, too. My wife has been incredibly supportive. Uh, my landlord, believe it or not, has been incredibly supportive. She's a retired teacher from the same school system. Uh, and so she was sort of re- best friends with your mentor, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so they, they were all rooting for me. Um, your mentor also helped me out quite a bit as well. Uh, she told she told me I did great on, on something. And this is the type of woman that, that is brutally honest in a good mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And so when she tells you something good, you, you take it to heart. Like, that's like mm-hmm. winning the lottery. Um, and so, and although I think she would probably tell me that it, I'm just doing what I need to do and I shouldn't take it that, you know, get that excited about it that she's just telling me I'm doing what I need mm-hmm. to do. Anyways, uh, before I ramble and get off track here. <laughs> Well I, want, well, I just want to jump off something you said. You said that their lives aren't in our hands. And that's, their lives literally aren't in our hands, but, but they kind of are at the same time. Um, and it kind of reminded me of something that my mentor teacher said. Um, on my bad days, when I let myself have a bad day, I could tell that it affected the kids, especially in my Excel period and my first period. And I felt really guilty because they, you know, I wasn't mean and, and yelling at them, but, I, you know, I didn't give them the me that they deserved. It wasn't as good of a lesson as it could have been. You know, I wasn't as passionate as I should have been. And they left my room, like, lackluster, you know, not not as inflated as I want them to be at the beginning of a school day. And I know that sounds so silly, but I want them to leave my room ready to take on the day. And on those days, I realized that I wasn't preparing them to leave my room ready to take on the day. I I had drained them of their energy, and it wasn't fair. And my mentor teacher told me, um, you don't need to be a perfect teacher. You need to be the teacher the kids need you to be. And that means, you know, being on it all the time. And we, we're all human. We can't be 100% all the time. But I, I can't I can't steal their thunder. I can't, you know, take away their air. I need to make sure they leave my room ready to take on the day. And on my days where I couldn't do that, I realized, wow, I need, I need to reset really quickly because the next class is coming. No, I, I'm with you 100%. I think that, and, you know, I noticed that in myself when I had a Western student. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we basically we participated in a program where, the local university, I say Western, like everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's not necessarily a local podcast. We're pretty big in some other areas, believe it or not. Um, thank you, everyone who's yeah, listening. Shout out. Thank yeah, shout Yeah, please listen, please <laughs> listen, share, do all that. Help me grow this thing and, and be as big as it can be. Um, but the local university for English and social studies have a program where teachers could sign up. You would get a student two days a week, and they had to teach five individual lessons on their own course we helped them with it mm-hmm. um and so i noticed this sort of thing when i noticed missed opportunities mm-hmm. from that from that college student and and would visibly see or visually see i guess uh students shut down mm-hmm. and i know what that feels like and mm-hmm. I, I and I, I couldn't jump in and say hey you missed that you know that's something that that we I, all have to learn yeah that, you, you got that's something that now i was i was pretty harsh a couple <laughs> of times with my students like look you you did you just messed up uh i actually made mine apologize to my students once um <laughs> for something that that they had done the day before or the the class before that they were there uh but anyways but you can't jump in even though i wanted to but i, I know what that feels like um and I say that to say this, because some of those kids, you know, when, when they shut down like that, it's because they've been told these, they've been shut down in other facets mm-hmm. of their life. They've been told they're not good enough or they feel not good enough. And so I know you and I have both encountered students that deal with mental illness mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. And they've disclosed things to us, uh, some of which actually listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to you all who are listening. I'm not naming names. Cause, I hope you're having a great summer. Yes. Miss you guys. <laughs> yes, we do hope you're having a great summer. But confidentiality says I, I can't give names, and nor would I, uh, to break that trust. I wouldn't want to. But um, can you talk about what that was like? Because I think we have a unique perspective mm-hmm. that allows us to kind of pick up on some of these indicators that mm-hmm. people that don't deal with these sorts of things would you know they wouldn't be able to pick up on those can you talk about you know that ability and and noticing that in students uh and maybe share a story or two where you've had those interactions with students i don't know if i consciously can recognize it but they seem to be the students that i gravitate towards first and so i guess some part of me is subconsciously recognizing it um, I had a student at the beginning of the year, we did a very, very easy group presentation, 
and she's packing up at the end of the day. She's going kind of slow, you know, so I know something's going on. She did well, by the way, in the presentation. You know, I'm kind of scooting everybody else out of the room. By the time I turn around, she's just in tears on the floor, basically, about how she hates public speaking. Um, there were multiple incidences throughout the year where we had to do presentations, and I either let the student um, do it alternatively via Flipgrid or um, in private or do an alternative assignment. But I also try to encourage her to at least speak up a little bit more in class, whether it's raising your hand or, you know, when I call on you, don't tell me you don't know. Um, yes, that's different than standing up in front of the room, but it's also to her not. It, it's her speaking in front of her peers. Um, by the end of the year, she was my most vocal student, um, she, and she did a presentation at the end of the year, and she did a great job, and she was able um, to overcome that. And so I saw part of myself in her, um, you know, she was proud of herself. She worked hard to overcome something. Um, but I also remember what it was like to feel like you're not going to get there. Um, I had other students that were afraid of public speaking and, and through the books that we read or the talks that we had or, or whatever it was, they were they became more vocal at the end of the year. And I know that seems like a small thing, but it's really not. Um, speaking for yourself and, and, and speaking out in front of people was very, very hard to do, um, whether it's in a class setting or, or in a presentation setting. Um, and so if that ever happens to you, please don't feel like the anxiety that you're feeling is silly because it's valid and it's there. Um, and it's not as uncommon as you it's think. Not. I have it. Um, it's, it's strange to say that I spend all day, every day, from August to May in, in front of a classroom talking to students, but every time I'm up there, you know, I'm fidgeting my hands or, or doing something because it does make me nervous. Um, so seeing students go from point A to point B, and point B is a much higher point than point A, was, was really great this year, and I can't wait to do it next year for sure. Yeah, that, that's the thing is, is the thing that got me um, – especially toward the end of the year and, and I was extremely sad because mm -hmm. I got a whole crop of students I'm I'm not really gonna see again mm -hmm. uh, I mean they're they're there it's, you know they're they're still gonna be in the school but um, for those you know listening Tian and I work in a in, in a, a separated wing I guess of the building and they they have a our school has a freshman academy and, and the idea is to get freshmen adjusted to high school because it is all new to them mm -hmm. um but we're sort of isolated and so we don't get the opportunity or we won't at least next year to see some of those students unless they physically make the effort to come up and see us and i'm sure some of them will um but that was the hard part for me uh was experiencing this overwhelming sadness of mm -hmm. having to you know let them go basically it's like mm -hmm. i felt like i was a mama bird kicking them out of the nest like get out of here i had one um who was one of my rock star students and you know she came from a, a difficult background mm -hmm. and i was warned when she came that hey she might have an attitude she might be this she might be that and she was great I mean, she was fantastic in the classroom but she she told me on the last day she said uh mr birch you look like you're gonna cry and i said i, <laughs> I am i'm about to cry because i don't want to let y'all go so she came up and hugged me and told me she was or that, that i was her favorite teacher and that she was gonna miss me and so it seems like that that sort of validated mm -hmm. me i guess in a way because you know i don't know about you but i'm the type of person that because i, I deal with depression, anxiety, I'm always seeking validation. Sometimes mm -hmm. I seek that from my students. Sometimes, and, and you know, I don't necessarily, you, you don't tell them that. And, <laughs> and some of it's subconscious as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't necessarily realize I'm doing it. But when they say, hey, you, you did a good job. Or, mm -hmm. hey, I enjoyed that lesson. Or, hey, I love mm -hmm. what you're doing. It sort of helped me with my own struggles daily because I knew I was doing the right thing. I knew I was where I needed to be. I knew I was doing exactly what I needed to be doing in life. And, you know, that's been one of the, the most gratifying things for me is just knowing that I'm where I belong. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, I don't know why this is coming in my head, but I had, a, I had a student and a parent tell me that this was the first year that um, this student had read a book from cover to cover since the third grade. Um, and I didn't really build a relationship with that student, not like, Hey, I have anxiety. If you ever need to talk to anybody, you know, you can come talk to me. Um, but I guess just through showing up every day and being the best that I could be, I did build that relationship. Um, and that was definitely validation, especially for a first-year teacher, thinking that I had no idea what I was doing, to hear that I picked books that this student enjoyed so much that she's now an avid reader again. 
um, just makes me happy on so many, so many different levels. Well, I do want to throw this out there um, for people that are listening. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we are talking a lot about teaching, but I think a lot of these things that we're talking about, you can apply mm-hmm. in your daily life and apply to your own profession. And maybe some of them you can't. Um, and, and we deal with, with kids in particular. But um, but I do want to throw out this disclaimer. We don't walk around with signs on our neck and say, <laughs> hey, we deal with depression and anxiety. Ask us about it. You know, it's not like that. Um but I had I had disclosed that to some students who had disclosed to me first that hey I, I have anxiety and depression and oh well I do too but it, it provided an avenue to connect with these students that we didn't have before so almost in 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 one respect it's sort of a blessing to have to deal with mm-hmm. this because the ability to help those students I know you've had some similar experiences where you know a student would tell you that and if you didn't deal with it. Um, you might not necessarily know how to handle that, but I feel like we at least have these unique tools in our toolbox that we can. Yeah, as a high school student who struggled with anxiety at high school, um, I remember a teacher coming to me and helping me out in the middle of a panic attack. And, and one of the first things I remember her saying is, I don't struggle with this, but my husband does. I know exactly, you know, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I have an idea of what you're going through. And that moment, I didn't feel alone. And anxiety will tell you that you're alone depression will tell you that you're alone but to hear from somebody hey you're not alone um was that first moment of me taking myself out of the darkness and putting myself in the light and I don't tell everybody that I have anxiety at school um but if I'm doing a writing example and I'm maybe personal narratives and I'm thinking out loud you know maybe I'll pick a moment where I was feeling anxious um I I was having a bad day one day and one of my kids asked me hey Miss Allen what's wrong and I was like I don't really know I'm just feeling kind of anxious today um and saying Things like that, not to be dramatic, but it normalizes it. They're allowed to say, oh, well, okay, maybe it's okay that I feel this way sometimes because I'm not the only person that feels this way. And people need to hear that no matter what age you are. Yeah, and, and it's this, it's the reason that I sign off on this show the way that I sign off each and every episode is you may not be okay, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not feel good. It's mm-hmm. okay to feel like something's wrong or or that, you know, and. And it's normal to feel like, hey, I'm weird, or hey, I'm not normal, or hey, I'm alone. Um, you know, I read an updated statistic the other day that 54 million people in in this country alone deal with anxiety or depression or both, and that's 54 million people that we know about. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not counting all the people <laughs> that we don't know about. I mean, the number's probably much higher. Uh, but that's that's roughly 15% of our country mm-hmm. that, that deal with mental illness, which is part of the reason why I want to do this podcast, because when I started this thing, um, I don't know that, they, I mean, there was a couple podcasts that I've seen, but they weren't, they, they were a little more specialized. And so I just wanted to have a podcast with normal people, and by normal people, I mean, <laughs> Not experts, not doctors, mm-hmm. not psychologists, although I may have some of those on. I, I did have someone on who is a social worker who also deals with, with anxiety and depression herself. Um, but, you know, I wanted to, to have an outlet, an avenue for people to not feel alone. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one of my students who listens to the podcast came up to me and, and basically told me, like, hey, you know, you shared your story, you shared your podcast. I don't feel alone anymore. And... You know, if that one person, that one teenager is affected, any time I put into this is worth it. But mm-hmm. And my guess is I've probably helped more, but not everybody's willing to stand up and say, hey, uh, I, I deal with anxiety and depression too. Uh, and, and that's okay. Uh, that's completely okay. Um, it would help if I got some emails and some, some interaction, but you don't have to. <laughs> uh, but definitely do go rate the podcast. You can find it on uh, the podcast app or the Google Play Store. Cheap plug there. Um, so as we progress into this, um, what are you looking forward to for next year? And and do you do you still have that same anxiety that you had before um, going into it? Obviously, it is a little different because you do sort of have a, a, a foundation laid down because you're going to basically be teaching the same things next year. Um but do you have that same anxiety, or, or, or has that changed? And if so, how has it changed? Um, it's not as much as last year, especially this time last year, um, just because I do have the foundation. And, and thankfully, my district had us do an eight-hour PD um, a couple weeks ago. And, and at that professional development, I have my whole year roughly outlined, which 
when I get anxious and I look at it, I say, see, Tiana, you have things planned, kind of. And that, that even though it's kind of, I still have a kind of plan that helps me feel better. Um, I still am feeling anxious, though, just because I'm, I feel like I'm starting with scratch with my students. And, and I am. I'm getting, I'm getting a whole new group. Um, they may not be as receptive to me or my ideas as my last group was. Um, building over and starting over kind of makes me scared. But at the same time, I'm excited to get to see those new personalities and interact with those new students. Um, and so I would say last year I was more anxious and scared than excited. And this next year I'm more excited. I'm excited for my new honors preps. I'm excited to see um, the new books we're going to be reading and, and what the kids think about them. Um, so definitely more excitement than, than anxiety, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think I just get anxious when the date approaches mm -hmm. because then you know, like, you know, the the perk of teaching, and any teacher tells you they didn't get into it for this reason is lying mm -hmm. uh, in some way. But, you know, it's nice to have summer off. It's nice to have the ability, well, you don't have the ability to sleep in right now because mm -hmm. you're, you're doing a little something, a, mm -hmm. a, a summer thing. But, you know, it's, it's nice to not have that. It, it, but at the same time, you miss it. Um, yeah. I miss, you know, getting up and, and going you know, I don't even call it work. I've never called it work. No. It's it's school. I always say I'm going to school. Um, it, but it, it's definitely not work for me, and I miss it. And, that, you know, having that, having those students in itself was almost a form of validation for me. Mm -hmm. And my summer job is definitely a job. <laughs> and I don't mean to, like, <laughs> to speak illy, 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 like sick. Whatever. Illy. Illy. Yes, thank you. It sounded weird. Illy of it or ill of it. Um, but... School is not a job to me. It's school. Like, I don't wake up, you know, kind of dreading going in or, or it's hard for me to get my feet on the floor. Um, every day I'm kind of excited to get to work, even even on the Mondays or, or the Thursdays or the Fridays. Um, just because I might not be excited to get the lesson plans done or the copies made or the room straightened back up. But I am excited to see my kids. Um, the job, though, it's hard. Um, I have kids there, too, and I love them. I'm excited to see them. But not going to my classroom is much different. And they always told me, you know, growing up, that if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And that is so true. Um, I work hard, but I play hard. And that's why I don't think that I work that much, if that makes sense. I like being in my classroom. It's it's, it's my safe space. Yes, we, we know. Because you're always there. <laughs> and I, always I, there. I say that sarcastically because <laughs> I, um, we've had a lot of conversations where, You'll be, I'll come. I usually will drop in after school. In you, his defense, I could have. I can leave an hour before school ends. And I'm normally at school after school. Yeah, an and, hour and, after I could have went home. And, and I would, <laughs> I would come down after school and complain about whatever my my last class had done that day. And usually it was something. Um, and you would have a stack of papers. You'd be like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. <laughs> I'm like, Alan, it's okay. It'll be there tomorrow. You yeah. can get it done tomorrow. That's what you have a planning period for. Work smart, not hard. Um, advice I should take myself sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you definitely are, are dedicated to it. And, you know, that's, that's refreshing to see and something I think the profession needs a little more of. I mean, maybe I could take a little mm -hmm. bit more from that, although I don't have to grade writing, so it's a little easier for yeah. me. Um, I don't have them writing narratives or anything like that. Although I do want to explore a little more personal writing. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so major shift in the show. Because <laughs> um, I think we've sort of wrapped that up as, as much as we can. Uh, but I will say, uh, to, to finish my thought there, is, is I myself am very anxious about next year. Just mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you get new students, you don't know mm -hmm. what your classes are going to be like. I have a new class that I'm a little skeptical about don't know how i'm going to handle it I'm not going to reveal what that is i'll tell you off air even mm -hmm. though i think we've already sort of talked about it but um i'm basically teaching the same thing so it's nice because I, I won't have to stress out about getting things done i just mm -hmm. have to add to what i already have or change you know this or that and, and make it work for my kids but um you have a major life thing going mm -hmm. on right now um and i am uh privileged and honored that you're going to announce that on the podcast <laughs> so that means you have to listen you had to have been listening to this to know this announcement and so um something that is life-changing something <laughs> that um and i do want to kind of talk about how your depression anxiety has affected this as well but uh tell the listeners what you are currently experiencing right now well, one thing that I will throw this out there back to school I'm nervous about is planning maternity leave because in December, um, we're due right before Christmas, actually the beginning of Christmas break, and my husband and I are expecting our first baby. That is, um, 
That's incredible news. I was a little shocked when you told me. I was shocked too. (laughs) Uh, Well, I remember when you told me and I was like, like it didn't process. I don't think I heard you. Well, I I thought that because I was telling you guys not like in an exciting way, but hey, I'm really sick. If I run out of the room and my kids are alone, just make sure they don't hurt each other. (laughs) <laughs> which is which is our main goal for every class, <laughs> yes, by yes. the way. We, we just don't want them to hurt yeah, each other. I guess their lives are in our hands. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. so, in some respects. So, um, you're pregnant, mm-hmm. expecting your first. Do you know um, the gender yet? Are you going to do yet. anything like no, that? Um, we're not doing a gender reveal party or anything, but um, I'm 13 weeks now, so we're waiting for, for results to come back to say if it's a boy or a girl. So, we're still waiting on those. All right, so now I have to know the story because I'm going to be nosy because mm-hmm. that's what I do. Um, when did you find out? What was your first reaction? What did your brain tell you about it? Because I know, and, and, and that sounds like a funny question if no. you're listening and you might not have mental illness or you might not deal with anxiety or depression. But for people who do, um, it's a very valid question because anytime something like that happens, uh, I think our minds, I don't want to say plays tricks on us, although it can, uh, but it, it we do have different reactions mm-hmm. to things. And so, you know, what? when did you know? What was your reaction to it? Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I actually found out in April, um, and I was at a conference through Western Kentucky University. Um, I just didn't feel right, and so when I we got home from that, um, my husband went with me, and, and we're driving home, and you know, I just kept telling him, you know, I think I am, but I'm not sure, and he kept saying, well, well just let me know, you know when you get home. And so we got home, and I took a test, and it was positive, um, but I didn't tell Garrett it was positive right away, which I, I told him later on that day, um, but... I knew that I was supposed to be excited, and for a second I was excited, and then my anxiety kicked in like, how are you going to pay for this baby? <laughs> Where are you going to put this baby? What are you going to do with work? And for a moment, it wasn't, like, I wasn't scared or disappointed or angry, but there was definitely some panic. And I, and I just to be honest, I mean, it, it took a little bit for the panic to wear off. I was, I've always been excited, but um, still panicked, just not as panicked as I have been. It's just, it's just life-changing, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't... You know, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to speak for you, but, like, we we get excited about things and panicked at the same time. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, getting the teaching job for me was, yes. was excitement, but it was panic because yes. I had, I remember the very first, and, and I'll circle back to the pregnancy, but <laughs> I remember the first school event we had. It was um, basically all the freshman teachers yes. had to be together, and... You and I are there, and I at least know the layout, lay of the land, because I'm, I'm a grad oh, of, of the school, <laughs> but um, I had no idea what to expect, and we didn't really know what we were doing, mm-hmm. and we had no idea, like, like what the schedule was, even though they gave us a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, in most school systems, the best laid plans um, don't always end up the way they're supposed to, and so we're having, like, a scavenger hunt, and I don't know where to send kids or what we're doing, and... And so it was. It was a little bit. Um, it was organized chaos. It was. It was but, very but organized. More chaos. on the chaos side for us. <laughs> yeah, it was very. And they did give me somebody, which is funny because they gave me somebody because they're like, well, you might not know anything in the school, but they didn't give you anything. <laughs> they gave me. And, they gave me nobody. <laughs> and I was like, I, I know where stuff's at. I don't know like who to send kids to necessarily in terms of who does what, but I do know where everything's at. And so at least I had that. And they just sent you like. Threw yeah. you in the deep my end of the pool. Hunt, my stu- where do I go for this? I honestly don't know. But when you figure it out, let me know. Ask one of your <laughs> friends and see where they're yeah. going, and just fo- just follow everybody. Um, but I, like my my the person I had was like, "Are we supposed to tell them?" I'm like, well, I don't know where to tell them, so <laughs> we've got to tell them something. Um, but anyway, but th- that was the same. That was the type of like anxious panic. panic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that I, mm-hmm. I think you're sort of referring mm-hmm. to there is that. We we get that way where we're excited, but at the same time, like we're always thinking, like what's going to go wrong? Like yes. how how well, how's money? Like money's a big thing for me. It's yep. like how am yep. I going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know I have to imagine the excitement's still there, and you mm-hmm. know knowing you the way I do, you're going to be a tremendous mom. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, that I don't think is concerning to anyone. But you know what are your reservations going into it? Because I know like you you have some um, you know I know how the brain works and how our brains work. I don't want to sound like an expert, but, mm-hmm. but like we, we sort of think the same way. I think a lot of times. Um, so what are your reservations going into it? Um, I'm just worried about, I, I guess, normal stuff like daycare, um, you know, ways to quickly triple your paycheck without having to do <laughs> extra work. So, um, I, if we can you figure that out, please email. Oh, there goes the mic. Oh no. Yes. Please send an email if you figure out how to, how to, how to do that. 
Um, but just no, I think just normal normal parent things like how to pay for everything. Um, we're trying to move right now before school starts so we can have a better place before the baby comes and preferably again before school starts. So um, that's been a little bit stressful. Um, from a teacher's standpoint, I, I don't know what to do for maternity leave. Um, I, I, I have options, you know, my year is mapped out, but there's nothing that I really want to miss out on. I know that, that sounds really silly. Um, maybe I am too attached to my classroom and, and my students, but I, I don't want to miss out on teaching them any of the things that I have planned for next year. Um, it's hard for me to figure out what I can cut or what I would be okay not teaching, which, which is which is stressful. Um, I'm still trying to figure that part out. But I, honestly, that's probably my biggest reservation is what do I want to miss out teaching so I don't miss out on those first couple of weeks at home. Well, and I imagine that has to be difficult in the sense of, you know, you know what you want them to know. Mm -hmm. and, and you could have the most experienced veteran teacher that knows everything you're wanting to teach. But if they don't teach it the way you would teach it, mm -hmm. and they're not making the tests or the, you know, the assignments, mm -hmm. you know, it might not come across the same way. Um, as if you were there teaching it. So mm -hmm. I understand that. I, I wouldn't trust anybody else with <laughs> my students, like even the people that I know know more than I do. And the light bulb moments are fun. Um, like right now, for example, it's looking like I would miss Shakespeare, but Shakespeare was so much fun to teach because I was anxious to teach Shakespeare. I complained about teaching it the weeks leading up to it, and I was worried about it, and then we tackled it together, and it was, it was a wonderful unit. My kids were not afraid of the language at the end of it. They understood what was going on. Um, and they were proud of themselves, like, like to truly see them proud of themselves for tackling, you know, Shakespearean English was awesome. And to miss out on that makes me, makes me kind of sad to be honest, but I don't want to miss out on any of it. Yeah, no, I, mm -hmm. I, I completely understand. If I had to miss out teaching Canada and the regions of Canada, <laughs> my life might not be the same. Uh, there is some sarcasm in that. Although I'm Canadian on, the, on some weekends. Um, you listen to the first episode, you'll figure out that reference. Um, so with, the the pregnancy itself mm -hmm. you know and, and i'm gonna add and you don't have to answer this question mm -hmm. if you don't want to um but i, I do want to throw it out there because i think i don't want to say it's a legitimate concern but I, I feel like it's something that maybe has crossed your mind with anxiety and depression it it is something that can be genetic it is mm -hmm. something that can be um passed down i know my my mother deals with it mm -hmm. my grandmother deals with it um, is that something that is on your mind? And, you know, if so, how do you handle that? What do you tell yourself? It's not something that I'm worried about so much as that I feel like I've already accepted it. Um, my husband has anxiety, whether he wants to admit it or not. Everybody on my side of the family has anxiety. Um, and so I'm just kind of anticipating this to happen. Um, and not to knock my dad because my dad handled it like a champ or, or any, any parent or anybody that's been in my life. But I... Not that I'm excited to deal with it, but I feel like I'm prepared to deal with it. Um, I feel like I will hopefully build that relationship um, to where when my kid is feeling anxious, they can communicate that instead of sitting there by themselves thinking something's wrong with me. Um, and so I'm not worried per se, but just looking forward to it or ready for it, I guess. Prepared. Prepared, yes. Yeah, there, there <laughs> we go. Uh, well, uh, your husband needs to listen to the podcast. Um, <laughs> first episode, you can check it out. Yes. Uh, make sure you rate it on uh, I, I podcast app on iTunes mm -hmm. uh, and the Google Play Store. Uh, what advice would you have for anyone listening um, that may be thinking about, you know, trying to start a family or dealing with, you know, a pregnancy currently and maybe, you know, have these sorts of issues that we talk about? or maybe think they have these issues and not sure about it, like what advice would you have for those people? I think no matter what sphere you're in, whether you're trying or expecting or, or that's not even on your mind, um, just taking everything a day at a time is the best possible thing you can do. Um, one of my favorite Abraham Lincoln quotes is that the best thing about the future is that it only comes one day at a time. And I try to remind myself of that over and over and over again. Um, because I could worry about daycare, but then I tell myself I have six more months to worry about daycare. I should definitely worry about it before the end of the six months, and I will. <laughs> but worrying about it today on Tuesday of, in June is not going to solve my problem by tomorrow. Um, I do that in teaching. I don't know how to teach this lesson. I'm tired of hitting my head up against the wall. It'll be there tomorrow. Um, personally, you know, if I, I can worry about my bills. And I do worry about my bills, but worrying is not going to put an extra $100 in my bank account. And so I try to just take it a day at a time and figure it out in small steps instead of sitting and thinking and thinking and thinking and burning myself out. 
No, I, I'm the same way because um, I'm the type of person that uh, if I don't take it one day at a time, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to be functional. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have, especially bills, especially financially, things to worry about. Mm-hmm. And if you're out there listening and you're one of those people and you worry and worry and worry about stuff that's happening a week, two weeks, a year from now, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to say stop. And, and you know, I, and I would tell you that, but it doesn't make your brain stop thinking Mm -hmm. about it but yeah i I agree one day at a time um i I think uh i think that's that's good advice and i think it applies to anybody um and maybe and even people that don't deal with mental illness Mm -hmm. um the way that we do is taking it one day at a time as cliche as it sounds Mm -hmm. um it does make your life a whole lot easier it does Mm -hmm. all right well we're starting to wrap things up um any final thoughts anything you want to tell the listeners um, you know, anything you want to plug, social media, anything like that? Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, trying to think of the correct handle right now. Well, you know um, what? I might have my phone out. While he's doing that, I'll talk about other things. Um, one of the things I struggled with for the longest time, I talked about it on the last time I was on the show, is just realizing that it's okay to not be okay, you know, like Seth says, and it's okay to feel like you're in a dark place right now. Um, but you just have to reach out to people. You have to reach out um, to a friend or to a family member. Um, email the show if you want to reach out to either one of us. Uh, but it's okay to, to be in that dark place. It's just not okay to stay by yourself the whole time. Okay, I have it. <laughs> it's Mrs. Allen BGHS. I clearly tweet a lot. Tweet at me and I will tweet back. You, Yeah, well, please tweet at her so she'll tweet more. <laughs> I need to be more active um, on social media. Yeah, well, it's... As much as you can be, I know it sometimes it's a source of despair for me, uh, which is part of why I'm doing this because I want to add some positivity in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow me personally at Phoenix Rocket. Um, if you don't know how to spell Phoenix, look it up. It took me a while to figure <laughs> it out. Um, but you can follow the show as well. Russell Mind Pod, please reach out to us there. Wrestling with the Mind at gmail.com uh, or Wrestling with the Mind on Facebook. If uh, you want to reach out to myself, if you want to reach out to Tiana and maybe you don't know how to spell her name or, you know, <laughs> something you know, like you, you want to reach out through the show, I will certainly make sure she gets that. We communicate fairly regularly and we work around the corner from one another. <laughs> so it's not, it will not be hard for me to get that uh, to her. But uh, definitely uh, thank you for, for taking the time out, coming and hanging out with me and uh, getting an episode down on the books. Um you know, we, we look forward to, um, you know, monitoring your progress, I guess, with the, with the pregnancy and um, kind of and everything else. And, and we'll have you back on sometime to kind of update how things are going. Um, you're sort of my most reliable guest at this <laughs> point because uh, everyone else is kind of one and done. Uh, but I, I do seriously thank you for, for taking the time out and, uh, and talking with the people today. Well, it's always a good time. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. Again, follow us uh, on Twitter, WrestleMindPod on Twitter. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-M-I-N-D-P-O-D. Uh, Wrestling with the Mind on Facebook or Wrestling with the Mind at gmail.com if you want to reach out that way. Make sure to like us. Uh, give us ratings, reviews on the podcast app. The more you do that, the more reviews we get, the more positive reviews we get. And ratings, the more iTunes pumps that baby up the chart and makes it more uh, visual for other people maybe to find it. Share our stuff. Um, we're just trying to reach out, trying to do a service here uh, and help people out that, that maybe are, are, are like us. Uh, that's going to do it for me. I'm Seth Burchett, and uh, this episode will be dropping probably around Wednesday or Thursday, uh, June the 20th, roughly. I've uh, got a special guest for next week, my wife. She doesn't know it yet, even though she's in the room listening right now. But um, she's going to give a perspective on what it's like to deal with me, uh, which <laughs> is a full-time job, I think, sometimes. But uh, but just what it's like being someone who doesn't deal with mental illness married to and in a relationship with someone who does so that's going to do it for me thank you everyone for listening uh follow us like us write us all that good stuff and remember you may not be okay and that's okay thanks for listening